Welcome to Hakol Radio's Top 3 segment, where we discuss the top three news stories of the day. Hakol Radio, powered by the Muncie Mavasser and broadcasting live from Schlerko Studios in Muncie, New York. Number 1 It's only June, but scientists in the U.S. are already thinking about the upcoming flu season. As always, at this time of year, they're keeping a close eye on Australia which saw an early start to its flu season. Some parts of the country are seeing a spike in illness and the highest number of cases are among children. Those flu patterns can be an indicator of what's to come in the U.S. In the U.S., flu activity is currently low as it usually is at this time of year since people don't generally start getting sick until around October and doctor's offices don't get really busy until somewhere around March. In the Southern Hemisphere where it's now winter, cases began increasing sharply in early May. The Australian Department of Health and Aged Care said on Friday, June 9th, it's an earlier start of the season than some previous years. Case numbers are higher than the five-year average, the agency said, but lower than around this time in 2019 and 2022. American scientists typically look to Australia and some other countries to try to anticipate exactly how bad the flu season will be in the U.S. during fall and winter. Quote, we closely monitor what happens in countries throughout the Southern Hemisphere this time of year just to see what's happening during their flu season. It's not always a predictor of what's going to happen, but yes, we do closely monitor it all summer long. Flu is an important virus to monitor because it makes so many people sick and costs the nation so much money. But some people may dismiss its seriousness because it's seasonal and everyone gets it at least once in their lifetime. The CDC estimates that the flu caused 9 million to 41 million illnesses, 140,000 to 710,000 hospitalizations, and 12,000 to 52,000 deaths every year between 2010 and 2020. It cost the U.S. about $10.4 billion in direct costs for hospitalizations and outpatient visits, the agency said, and that's only among adults. For about a decade, the CDC has had a formal forecasting effort that's a collaboration with several academic groups and private industries that specialize in flu forecasting and modeling. The data comes from clinical labs, emergency departments, hospital networks, and death certificates. While hundreds of scientists and millions of dollars are dedicated to predicting what the flu season could look like, data showing an early, intense season in Australia doesn't necessarily mean the same on this side of the planet. Computational scientist Thomas McAndrew said, nor are prediction models so detailed that scientists could say there will be a spike in flu germs in, say, Chicago on September 12th. So, while Reed and her colleagues will be watching Australia's flu numbers and running their calculations, it's still not totally clear what 2023's flu season will bring for the U.S. Quote, it's pretty early so far to predict what the upcoming season might be, Reed said. There's a lot of things that could change between now and when we start seeing more flu activity. However, we do see that there is going to be some sort of indication that there is a spike and it may get quite serious. Number two. Israel will send drinking water and food to the Kherson region in eastern Ukraine after the destruction of the Kakovka Dam last week caused floods and forced thousands of residents to leave their homes. Earlier on Sunday, June 11th, the UN Undersecretary General Martin Griffiths said the flood have created, quote, a huge looming problem of a lack of proper drinking water for, for those 700,000 700, people. Both residents of the Ukrainian-controlled and Russian-occupied sides of the Dnipro River were heavily affected by the disaster. The Israeli aid announced on Monday, June 12th by Foreign Minister Eli Cohn includes hundreds of thousands of liters of mineral water and more than 10 tons of food. 
Food and drinking water will be distributed by voluntary groups and organizations working with the Israeli Embassy in Kiev. The aid, provided in coordination with the Ukrainian authorities and at their request, should arrive in the Kherson region on Monday or Tuesday. The State of Israel stands with the people of Ukraine, especially in these difficult times, and comes to the rescue to provide immediate humanitarian assistance to citizens affected by the dam collapse, Cohen said. I thank the Israeli Embassy in Ukraine and the Israeli Army, the International Aid Agency of the State of Israel within the Ministry of Foreign Affairs for their mobilization in the framework of this important mission, he added. Jerusalem condemned the destruction of the Nova Kakovka Dam while avoiding mentioning Russia, which Kiev and Washington both blamed for the disaster. Israel is shocked by the extensive damage to the Kakovka Dam. Thousands of innocent civilians are at risk from this terrible destruction. The entire international community must strongly condemn this deliberate damage to critical infrastructure, and our thoughts and prayers are with the people of Ukraine in these difficult times, Foreign Ministry spokesman Lior Hayat said. Ukrainian Interior Minister Igor Klimenko said on Sunday, June 11th, that 77 towns and villages were flooded in the Kherson and Mykolaiv regions as a result of the dam collapse. Ukraine has earlier reported that at least six people were dead and a dozen declared missing with many more feared hurt in the occupied parts of the region, where Russia doesn't let volunteers to help residents. Number 3 The United States military readiness is being scrutinized as the country's relationship with China remains uncertain. Gordon Chang, a Gatestone Institute senior fellow and recognized expert on China, said on Monday, June 12th that the U.S. is, quote, not prepared to fight China, as the country fails to deter its biggest adversary. Quote, it's not just a question of them having a larger navy than ours, it's also a question that they have types of weapons that we don't have, and which right now we have no defenses for, he warned. Chang continued, arguing that although the U.S. has nearly a dozen aircraft carriers, it may not be helpful or useful in a fight against China. He also hinted at the possibility of China having cruise missiles tipped with nuclear weapons. Though it has denied these claims, Chang remained skeptical. We have known for quite some time that the trend lines were really disadvantageous to us, he said in response to a political report. This has been a question of failure of the Pentagon and the failure of political administrations. President Biden and his administration have been severely criticized for failing to confront Chinese, the Chinese Communist Party on the origins of COVID-19 and multiple spy campaigns launched against the U.S. On Chavez, June 10th, the Biden administration confirmed that China is increasing its spying efforts in Cuba, referring to it as, quote, an ongoing issue that predates the current president, despite officials initially disregarding the report of the Chinese spy base located in Cuba as inaccurate. Quote, it looks like President Biden believes that he's president of China instead of the United States, Cheng said. The administration tried to deceive the American public to sugarcoat what China has been doing. Since taking office, Biden canceled the Trump-era China initiative, waived sanctions on Russian President Vladimir Putin's Nord Stream 2 pipeline, and most recently made a nuke and hostage deal with the Islamic Republic of Iran. There has never been such a rapid collapse of America's standing around the world, critics say. And it's not because that we're weak. It's because we have no political will and we have misguided policies. Thanks for tuning in to the Top 3 segment live on Hako Radio and have a great day.